everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the third Wednesday of the month, which means it's time for Dr. Esser's Prescription for Health. But before I introduce him, I just want to take a brief moment to thank everyone who pre-ordered my new book, Sweet Indulgence. And not only to thank you, but to tell you, please save your receipt wherever you ordered it from, because when the book is released, we have prepared over $1,000 worth of amazing bonuses that you will never be able to get again or buy anywhere else. So just save that receipt. If you buy it on Amazon, the book does fluctuate in price, but as you know, Amazon always offers the lowest price guarantee. So the day the book comes out, if it's less than you paid, they will rebate you. I don't think that's the case if you buy it at Bookshop or Barnes and Nobles, but please always support your small and independent booksellers. Without further ado, we have Dr. Stefan Esser, and today he's going to talk about your hips and how they don't lie. Please welcome him to the show. I, I love this topic because I, I I don't know, hips are kind of cool, you know. We need <laughs> that's <laughs> right. I feel like we should have Shakira dancing in the background, apparently, with that hips don't lie song. So hopefully that got your attention. Um, but yes, the hips are the heart of the matter that we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to jump right in. We've got a fun time. And we're also going to be uh, doing a breakout with my wife, who's a personal trainer, talking about some hip important, valuable exercises. So stick with us throughout this talk today. So your hips and your lifestyle. That's what I wanted to talk about today as we go through different body regions and body parts. And we're going to go to the anatomy class. That's one of our goals. We're going to review the association of lifestyle. We're going to discuss a plan for healthy hips, demonstrate some hip exercises, and then we're going to take some questions at the end. So let's have fun with this. Now, when I give these talks with you, Chef AJ, my real goal is for your viewers to leave knowing more about their body. And when it comes to the hips, you can see how those hips sit right there, kind of in the middle of the body. You've got that whole upper body, right? The core and the torso and all the arms, the neck and the head but they are connected to the legs right through the hips. And so this sort of central region of our bodies is extraordinarily important. Obviously from a musculoskeletal perspective, we could see that, right? That whole core, which is essentially from the bottom of the ribs down to the mid thighs, that's your core, it's not just your abs, it's the whole area. This whole core area holds us together stabilizes the pelvis, maintains motion, flexibility, function, the ability to squat, run, play, walk comfortably, the ability to lift things. This is all dependent upon a healthy pelvis, upon a healthy hips, right? In addition, of course, deep inside that pelvis, you can see here in this anatomic drawing, deep inside that pelvis, of course, live a lot of very important organs. And although we're not going to go into the bladder and the uterus and the cervix and the, the intestinal tract and the prostate, right? All of these organs, right, live within that pelvic structure, within that pelvic ring where they're kept safe. And of course, all of our organs of excretion and alimentation, right, are kind of in that area. And so this pelvis area is so crucial for human health. And we're going to probably circle back around to a pelvis talk kind of talking about how your lifestyle influences the health of your bladder, of your intestines, of your uterus, of your prostate, et cetera, et cetera. Today, we're going to focus in on the musculoskeletal aspect of this pelvis, of the hip itself. You'll notice on the backside, you've got this, what is called your sacroiliac joint, this deep sort of triangular shaped bone here is, of course, the sacrum. It's multiple levels that are fused together at the bottom of the spine. And that's connected via ligaments, little ropes, to the whole 
ilium, right? The SI, the I is ilium, right? And so we've got that ilium and the pubic bone down through here and then the ischium at the very bottom. And so those were once when you were in your mother's womb, not fused, but they fused as you aged over time and formed this one big pelvic ring. Now women's pelvises on average are wider, right? And they have a larger pelvic outlet down in here in large part because of the benefits of getting a baby out through a larger space. While for men on average, they have a tighter, smaller pelvis with less of a large pelvic ring because of course they do not need to birth a baby through this area. This is the pubic symphysis right here that you'll hear about. And of course, all your adductor muscles come across and connect through this area. And then just behind this, uh, right, is kind of where we have some of the organs of excretion that come out through their urethra, et cetera. Now, the hip itself is a ball and socket joint. It is a load-bearing joint, so it takes a great deal of weight from us. In fact, one pound above the waist equals three to 10 pounds on each hip, depending upon what you're doing, whether you're walking on one leg, squatting, bending, jumping, running, stair climbing, and the like. So as little as one pound lost upstream can be up to 10 pounds off your hip. This is why our weight radically predicts the health of our hip joints themselves. You'll notice on this little close-up, the hip joint is made of this ball and socket relationship. And the end of the femur, right, this is the femoral head, we call it, has a layer of cartilage on the end. Think about this like a layer of ceramic on the end. Very, very smooth when we come out of our mother's womb. But over time, little nicks, pock marks, little potholes can occur. And now we get little rough edges kind of grinding on each other. And this can wear down a bit. In addition, of course, we get, can get inflammation in these areas. Notice this hip capsule that comes up. These are ligaments that hold that whole area together. Now, over the top of all of these bone, ligament, uh, cartilage structures uh, are the muscles. It is amazing when you look at just how many muscles there are interconnected around the pelvis. Because the hip joint is extraordinarily mobile, it can go to the right, the left, the up, the down, making it fun, all the dance moves and cool, sexy and fun things that people can do with their hips. But the rotation, the gyration, the, the flexion, the extension, the lateral motion, all of that is because of all these different muscles. And so you see right there are big prominent hip flexors on the front of us, hip extenders on the back of us, abductors on the side of us, all of these muscles that you and I should be truly cultivating on a daily basis. The moment you look at this picture, you should go, wow, that is a lot of muscles, number one. And number two, you should say, oh, wow, I probably don't work those muscles nearly enough. And you're probably right. Because many of us, when we hit our 40s and 50s, we start just walking forward, walking back, sitting, walking forward, turn, walk over here, sit. We need to make sure that we are firing these muscles in the multiple different ways they should be. This is why crazy things like line dancing, ballroom dancing, uh, things with rapid changes in direction and movement, right, are actually so beneficial. So exercises that challenge each of these different muscle groups in different ways that help to maintain them. Why? Because having balanced muscles across the hips helps to keep the hips healthier longer. Deep to all these muscles and intertwined with them are a host of nerves. Here you can see how these yellow nerves leave the low back and the sacrum and then wrap around coming to the hip, the pelvis, and descending down the thigh into the quads and the hamstring area. So here's your sciatic nerve, for example, that people often talk about it goes down the back of the thigh and down the front of the thigh, the femoral nerve. 
So these are sensory and motor nerves, meaning they give you feeling and they also fire the muscles in and around the hips and the pelvis. And so you can see why if you pinch a nerve in the low back, now you can have symptoms going all the way down the limb because that's where the nerves travel. In addition, we've got blood vessels and we've got lymphatics that travel down through the pelvis down into the thigh. And this is yet one more reason why eating a health promoting diet, uh, we want to keep these blood vessels wide open because if they begin to get clogged, just like if they get clogged to the heart, you get heart disease. They get clogged to the brain, we get a stroke. Well, if they get clogged to the leg, we get what's called peripheral vascular disease. And people present to see me in clinics saying how they have pain in their pelvis or they have pain down their leg when they exercise. And this is because they're not getting enough oxygen and nutrition to the muscles of the limbs. And as a result, the limbs are screaming, please give me some more oxygen. And uh, so this is why eating those berries, eating those greens, and even eating those sweet indulgences, like from Chef AJ's new book, uh, can all be beneficial when they are consumed in the midst of a health-promoting program. Now, let's go back a little bit to that hip joint. Uh, we've got the capsule we talked about, which are the ligaments that hold you all in place. We've got the cartilage, right, which is obviously there. And we've got the labrum, right? And you can kind of see that labrum, this big, thick ring of tissue. Uh, that wraps all the way around the joint and keeps the hip joint in place. Uh, so the labrum is this cartilage stabilizer that wraps around the outer ring on the pelvis and keeps the ball and socket in better alignment and better relationship. Now, pathology means things that can go bad, right? That's the term pathology. There's something bad that happened um, and it's the study of those bad things. And so as a physician, right, and you guys are in mini medical school with me right now, uh, we know that bad things can happen in these different areas. So we've got bones, cartilage, labrum, tendons, nerves, blood vessels. We've just reviewed each of those. And so you should be, you know, you're a little bit more familiar and aware of them. Now, your bones. Let's talk briefly about fractures in the pelvis. Uh, so there's a lot of conversation, as there should be, about osteoporosis, which is, of course, the wearing away of your bones as they become uh, thinner over time, Right. Uh, this is related to age, genetics, estrogen balance, and of course, nutrition and toxic exposures like alcohol smoking, as well as, of course, weight-bearing exercise. So fractures in the and around the hips, whether it be the femur or the pelvic ring, occur the majority of the time. In fact, most studies say more than 80% of fractures occur in the setting of falls. So not only do you first need to have weak bones, but even more important, you need to lose your balance and fall. You should hear that immediately go back to that muscle slide I showed you, which reminds you of just how crucial it is that your muscles are strong, robust, and you have good reaction time, good balance, right? So you want to go back to the basics. Am I working on my balance every day? Standing on one leg, tossing a medicine ball. Standing on one leg, tossing a beach ball against the wall for my favorite song of Shakira playing while I wiggle my hips back and forth, right? <laughs> so we want to be working our balance, right? With different sports, different activities, Tai Chi, Pilates, things of this kind, right? That stimulate the body and the brain to work together to enhance balance, to reduce fall risk. Now we need to work on reaction time. This can be playing tennis, playing pickleball, right? Again, dancing. This can be somebody throwing you a ball and you're moving, shuttling back and forth side to side. We've got to work on that every day. 
Now, tumors, I threw these in here, right? Because there are folks who get, unfortunately, metastatic cancer into the bones around the pelvis, and I see it all too often. So if you have chronic severe pain, it's not getting better, uh, you know, uh, you have not been able to, nobody's worked you up or figured it out to date, you need to get seen because pain in and around the pelvis can be related to some sort of tumor or mass. So the classic issues being severe pain, nighttime pain, pain that's worse at rest, these are all concerning. A vascular necrosis is dying off of the hip joint. This is where we get inadequate blood flow to the cartilage at the end of it, and the hip dies off. The primary risk factors for this include alcohol consumption, which you know I have strong opinions about. You should not be drinking. There's no reason to. Uh, and number two, uh, steroids. So the use of steroids for prolonged duration or in a higher dose, even once or twice, can actually cause dying off of the small blood vessels that feed the cartilage layer on the end of the bone, and then you end up with this die-off. Now, I treat people with AVN. I just treated multiple people recently with stem cell injections and PRP injections, and the majority do well. I just got an email from one of the guys that I'd recently treated, 75% better, moving in a positive direction about six weeks out. So there are treatments outside of just hip replacements for AVN, but most importantly, we want to avoid this problem by avoiding alcohol and avoiding medications like the steroids when and where possible. Next, growth plate injury. So if you are taken care of or are a someone under the age of 16, you have open growth plates. And the classic injury can occur to the kid who's got wide open growth plates and is running, jumping, hopping, being very active uh, and dislodges uh, one of the growth plates and now can get pain in the hip. We call this skiffy. For those of you who like to learn new terms, slipped capita epiphyseal physis. Um, next, we've got cartilage injuries, right? An osteochondral defect, uh, not obsessive compulsive disease. No, a little pothole in the cartilage or actual osteoarthritis. As you know, osteoarthritis is wearing away of the hip cartilage. And this occurs as a result of uh, genetics, trauma, age, and activity, as well as inflammation. So those of us who have elevated blood pressure, or consume the standard American diet, we accelerate osteoarthritis in our hip. So the combination of being overweight, where our blood is loaded with adipokines, which are the inflammatory molecules produced by our fat cells, uh, and then the chronic inflammation related to unhealthy food we eat, turns out it accelerates arthritis in the joint by up to 500%. That's right, if you are obese, you increase your risk of a hip replacement by about 500% over time if you're in the upper categories of obesity. This is very concerning, and we all need to take this very seriously if we have uh, elevated BMI. Labral tears, tendinitis, nerve issues, all of these things can occur and are important to be aware of. Uh, for those ladies out there who uh, have, let's say, uh, especially those who have gone through birth, um, sometimes pelvic congestion can be an issue where there's now increased congestion or pressure on the blood vessels in the pelvis and you develop pain uh, in the pelvis and around it. Uh, this needs to be worked up, evaluated, and there are treatments that can be done medically with regards to the placement of stents or coils that can be very helpful. A host of other things can present as hip pain, right? Everything from a weak sort of pelvic floor to ovarian or uterine fibroids or cysts, to bladder impairment, whether it be bladder infections, cancers, or the like, and or rectal dysfunction. So very important that if you've got pain in and around the pelvis and hip that doesn't seem to get worse or 
better with, let's say, mechanical activities like squatting, bending, twisting, running, jogging. Uh, if that doesn't seem to affect the pain at all, make sure you get a good evaluation. Get it figured out. Don't put it off, right? Uh, you know, you, you've got to know what's going on. Uh, don't just guess, right? Because some of these things have easy treatments. Others are quite dangerous and you'd want to know, do you have them or not? Uh, and others you can manage yourself. But getting a good diagnosis is worthwhile. Now, risks for musculoskeletal, right? For musculoskeletal hip pain, as I mentioned, include our weight. Remember how I said one pound above the waist, uh, you know, equals three to 10 below the waist. So we, we want to know about that weight. And not only just weight, right? And not only just BMI, but actually there's more that can be looked at that I like even more than BMI. Uh, and that would be, for example, our waist hip circumference. This is a very important thing. One of our animals just walked up. If you see me petting something, it's this animal right here who just came up on my lap. Since I'm outside today, she decided she wanted uh, some attention as well. So the uh, BMI and general weight is a good thing to check, but waist hip circumference turns out to be even a little bit more accurate. So a simple way to do this is you take a measuring tape or a string, if you don't have a measuring tape, and measure around the, where the belly button is, right? All the way around. And then at the widest point of your hips, right? Kind of lower down where you feel the bones out on the side. And then you do a ratio, right? The measurement of the waist or the measurement of the hips. And what we're shooting for, let's go to this slide here. We're shooting for, you can see, right? In women, right? We'd like to see at a very low risk, right? We'd like to be at 0 0.80 or lower on that ratio and men less than that 0.95 or lower with uh, regards to that relationship. Uh, the reason why is studies show us that you, if you have an increased waist to hip circumference or ratio, uh, that in, is related to, right? Or associated with an increased risk of heart disease, type two diabetes, uh, hypertension, and uh, hyperlipidemia. And these four right away are directly related to the increased weight, right, that we carry uh, that is shown with that waist-hip ratio, uh, as well as joint pain and low back pain. These two are related to the weight and the altered mechanics, but also the inflammation from the adipokines. And then we have impaired VO2 max, right, which, of course, is a measurement of your functional capacity with exercise. And, and then also studies show that having an elevated waist-hip ratio uh, increases uh, the likelihood of impaired fertility. So I would encourage each of you, grab a measuring tape, right, and measure out your waist-hip ratio. It's just one more piece of information that is literally at your fingertips and so easy to measure and yet can tell you something, right? And if you find that your waist-hip ratio is elevated, right? Above that 0.85 for women, above that one for men, uh, that's something that you should acknowledge and make it a goal, right? To do either my four, six-week program or actually join our eight-week program, which is starting in March, uh, or do one of Chef AJ's many different programs that she has. And please don't forget right now too, uh, we, to s go watch, right, the, the most recent health summit that Chef AJ and the team are hosting with regards to weight loss. I'm in it with a lot of other great doctors, and you should be watching that every day. It's free, and it's on right now. So definitely take advantage of all these different resources to help you with being a winner in the losing game, right, getting that unnecessary weight off and getting that waist-hip ratio into a normal place. Now, biomechanical issues 
play a huge part of the musculoskeletal health of the hips. Things like having tight hip flexors, having a weak buttocks, having tight adductors and weak abductors, right? Weak abs, tight hip flexors, poor posture, all of this. So if you have sat for prolonged periods of time at your job, or if you presently sit for prolonged periods of time at your job, you likely have tight hip flexors and a weak butt. Doesn't matter how big your butt is, that doesn't predict whether it's strong or not. The reality is when we sit for prolonged periods, the body goes to the place of least resistance, which means the hip flexors on the front of us are shortened when we're sitting. So they tend to shorten and they tighten like that. And the buttocks, when we're prolonged to sitting in one place, obviously we're not getting any exercise there. In addition, you've probably noticed how the inner thighs over time for you just feel tight. You know, maybe you used to be able to do a split, right? I know Chef AJ still can. She works on hers, which is great. But many of us lose some of that flexibility. Or we've got to work on it every day, right? That classic seated V stretch, stretching out those inner thighs, right? To kind of keep the hip joint looser so it's not loading as much and has a little bit more play, a little more pliability. Uh, it's interesting enough, though, that our abdominal muscles insert at the top of that pelvis. And so they play a big part in general hip rotation, SI joint relationship, low back health. All of this is interconnected, that whole core. And so every day you should be doing a hip program. I do mine every day. You should do yours. You want to see my little one I do? It's on YouTube, I think, under Esser Health uh, on YouTube, or it's on my Instagram page somewhere. I pop it up every once in a while. So my Instagram on Esser Health or Esser Sports. But a good basic abdominal and core program every day is extremely valuable. We also talked already a little bit about how toxic exposures are really dangerous for the hip cartilage, for general hip health, for inflammation. And it turns out chronic inflammation in and around the pelvis just by itself increases your risk of chronic hip pain. So I'll sometimes see people who we think it's their hip joint, but then we get the MRI of the pelvis, turns out they've got some sort of an infected um, ovarian cyst or the like that is actually causing more of their problems intrapelvically rather than just the musculoskeletal issue. So again, pain that seems unexplained, pain that's severe, pain that's not related to just musculoskeletal activities, and pain that's getting worse, not better, please, please, please make sure you get a good evaluation. So next I'm excited. We're going to have my uh, wife. I'm going to try to see where she is. I think she's headed out this way. And uh, we'll do an exercise breakout. And I don't know how many of you know this, but my wife is an ISSA certified personal trainer, has trained people for years, and is going to get back doing some live training. Um, so she's doing virtual programs for people who want to join. You just go to essersports.com and click on our book appointment. And you'll be able to join with her. But I'm going to give her the mic for a little bit now. She's going to teach you five hip exercises that are kind of money in the bank for the hip and the pelvis and maybe one or two good stretches. So I'm going to give her the earphones and then she'll turn it over. This is great. I'm so excited. Can you hear me okay? I can. I think I'm going to have to stop sharing your slides, Dr. Esser, just so that we can see. Okay. She has to stop your slides real quick so we can see. Um, oh, stop the share. Yeah, stop the thing. Yeah. How's that? Is that good? Yep. Oh, perfect. All right. Hi, now you guys can see me. <laughs> Hi, Chef AJ. So today we're going to work on, um, I'm going to bring you guys up just a little bit here. Um, we're going to work on strengthening our hips. And this is going to be so important for our overall 
um, body health, our core, our back. I love doing a lot of hip work, especially for a lot of my female clients, because as we age, whether you're doing an endurance sport um, or you just want to stay active in general, it's very important to keep that hip strength core back. You're not getting iliotibial band syndrome, patellofemoral syndrome, SI joint pain, things like that. So we're going to get started. Um, I'm going to use a mat and a few resistance bands. So I have a few different types. You can normally get them from places like power systems. Um, I have a few of my soul core bands and they're always different resistance levels. So I'm going to use the hardest one, which is red, but you'll always find that there's a green or a blue or a yellow that gives you a light or a medium option. We're going to go with hard today <laughs> and really work hard today. So what we're going to start with is just lying down on our back. And I want you to take the band and you're going to place it up and over your shoes onto your ankle length. So just a few inches above your ankle. And we're going to sit down comfortably. I'm going to hope that my mic stays on for you guys <laughs> and that you can still see everything properly. All right, good. We're good to go. Okay, so from here, what we're going to start with is just pulling up into a bridge position. Okay, and um, I want you to tuck your lower back so it's flat on, on the mat. So you're kind of rocking your pelvis under, engaging those core muscles, feeling like you're pushing your, your belly button down to your spine. Okay, so you've got a nice neutral spine for our support. Now, I'm gonna straighten my legs down. And from here, I'm gonna lift just my right leg. So everything is nice and strong, tight and engaged. I'm lifting just my right leg keeping the knee straight, flexing my feet, and my left leg is staying down. So we're gonna do a set of 10 where we're lifting straight up and straight down. Now, here's the thing, this looks so simple. It's really hard. It's a great warm up. We're really engaging our hip flexors. So you're gonna feel this not only in your quad, but in the hip flexors on the front of your hips. You can also do this from a standing position where you're standing up, holding on to the side of a chair or a wall, something like that. And I want you to do 10 on each side. So again, you're just relaxed, nice and easy, core is strong, pelvis is tilted, and you're doing 10 just to warm up. Make sure your feet are flexed, toes are straight up and down, and you're gonna feel like your bottom leg, you're almost locking it down that knee and just keeping everything tight. Hold it at the top, slowly back down, okay? So I want you to do a set of 10 on each side. That's like a nice little warm up. get things engaged and firing. From there, you're gonna take your band and bring it up over your knees, all right? And we're gonna start burning out your glute medes or the side of the hips, okay? Glute medius, so dropping back down. Hopefully you guys can still hear me with my microphone. Okay, so again, tucking that pelvis under, we always want a neutral spine so everything is supported and strong, keeping everything tight. We're gonna pull our hips up into just a glute bridge position, all right? Squeezing the glutes, engaging the hamstrings, everything is long and lengthened through the top of the body. I want you to feel like you're pushing into your heels and you're also pushing into your shoulder blades. So you're nice and stable, okay? From here, we're gonna just bring the knees out to the side about two inches and then back to center. So again, <laughs> looks are deceiving, it seems so simple. But what we're doing is we're engaging the entire body. So this is a total body experience. Your core is engaged, your back muscles are engaged, your glutes are engaged, your hip flexors are engaged. And then we're burning out the side of our glute meats. So try to do a higher level of repetitions with these, about 15 to 20. Inhale, exhale out. Good, and still keeping your hips high, okay? So I don't want you to drop your hips low. If you feel like you're doing that, try to engage, pull everything back up. 
kick through your heels as a little little mind trick to make sure your hips are staying up high. You're pushing down through those heels. And then slowly come down, release. You can always pull your knees into your chest, give your lower back a little, give yourself a little hug, <laughs> and then let your lower back release a little bit there. Okay, so number three, again, we're gonna pull up into that bridge position. Okay, nice and strong. So we just did our ins and outs from here. I'm gonna have you lift your right leg up, I'm gonna lengthen down and back up. Now, once you feel like you are stable and you're keeping your hips at a level level place, okay, you're gonna take your leg and we're gonna do little hip circles. So out to the side. The beauty of this is you only need to do a small burst. So we could do five outward, really working that glute med. You're gonna also feel it in your stabilizing leg and then inward. So you're keeping that resistance on the band the entire time. You're not really getting a break. Okay, so try to do that both sides. Keep the hips up. All right, so outward and inward, set of five with the hip circles. Really dynamic, engaging your whole body. Core is strong. Lengthen through that knee, point the toe for good stability. Perfect. Now, you might find, like for me, that one hip, is a little bit more flexible than the other, or one has a little bit more of a turnout, a little bit more of a hip rotation. So it might feel like, oh wow, I feel a huge difference from one side to the other. That's okay. Do your best. Just be comfortable with where your body is right now. You know your body the best. Be gentle with where you are, okay? But I do want you to try to do, for those, about five to 10 on each side, rotating inward and outward. Okay. I've got two more, right? Here we go. I'm gonna have us hop up and I'm gonna pull you guys up a little bit higher so you can see me. Okay, these are called monster walks. So I'm gonna actually scoot you back a little bit so you can see my whole body. Sorry about that. There we go. All right, so I'm gonna have you drop your band down to your ankle length, okay? Can you guys see me? There we go. All right, so again, just a few inches above our ankle. Monster walks, you're probably familiar with them. Again, really burning out, working those glute meads to the side of our hips. Our hands are on our hips. We're gonna bend our knees slightly. We're going out and in. Now, we do not need to advance it where you're down into a full squat and you're keeping the squat right now. I just want you to get used to the movement of going side to side. So it's a slight bend in the knees. Again, core is stabilized. Feel like you're always tucking your pelvis under and forward so that your lower back is lengthened and you're lifting up through your spine, like above your shoulder blades, your chest is lifted. So it's like little bitty steps side to side. And again, you're gonna be feeling this on the outside of the hips. Now, once you feel like you can do 20 in one direction, 20 in the other direction, and overall you feel comfortable with the resistance band that you're at, then you can start adding a little bit more resistance, making it more advanced. Squat out, hold the squat, stay down, all right, chest is lifted. Again, you're not curving here with your spine. Stay up and lengthen through your back. Knees are always over your toes, in and out. So it would be a set of 20 to the right, set of 20 to the left, okay? Our last one is gonna be clamshells. This is one of my all-time favorites. Everybody who does a class with me knows that especially whether we're working core or not, I'm always gonna throw these in. Um, they make me happy. They're really good for your hips, especially if you do a lot of cycling and biking um, or if you're a runner. So again, we're gonna drop back down. 
but you're going to be on your side. So I'm going to do my little beached whale look here. Ugh! No, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you always feel like when you're going sideways so i'm going to drop down onto my um onto my shoulder now normally you'd have your head resting on your shoulder but because i have this microphone on i gotta look good for you guys i'm gonna have to lift it up so that i can still keep it on my head so from here again band is around your knees okay you're gonna keep your feet stuck together like glue your knees are slightly in front of your body. So you don't want your knees way back here where your feet are behind your back. You're gonna pull your feet forward. Knees are in front of your hips, okay? My other hand is supporting me. My core is tight, all right? And normally, again, you'd be down here resting so your spine's in a neutral position. I'm gonna be up a little bit. Now I'm gonna pull my top leg to the sky, just the knee. Again, feet stay stuck together and then back down. Now, we're gonna work the eccentric movement on this. So. That means it's going to be hard and it means we're going to be burning. So I don't want you to go like this where it's up and then slap down. You're just releasing and letting it fall back down kind of bleh. What we're going to do is come up, hold it, feel that burn in the side of the hip, stabilize the hip, and then eccentric movement down slow, 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 slow. So it's like floating down slowly. All right. So up, hold, exhale, inhale, down and up, exhale inhale down so it's a slower movement and again to really get a good resistance with this if you're doing a hard one like my band is let's start with 15 right you can do a high level of like 15 to 20 on each side and it's the same positioning on each side so feet are stuck together like glue knees are slightly in front of your hips core is stabilized make sure your shoulders are stacked one over the other and you're slowly coming back down so you're going to feel that burn a little bit more okay Woo, I feel it. Okay. <laughs> so same thing. You would do the same thing on the other side. All right. Let's do a little stretch. So again, I love my resistance bands, especially for hip work. So good. Um, and again, you can get them in, in alternate colors and resistance levels. So whatever's comfortable for you as you're building up your numbers and your repetitions. But let's go into a little hip stretch. Okay. I do this at the end of all of my core classes too. It's also good for a warm up if you want to warm up. I find that I have more flexibility in my hips after I've done my workout and my core routine. So for me, I'm going to do a little hip runner stretch, but I'm going to throw in something that I love <laughs> with my ballet background that really helps to open up hip rotation. So I'm going to start with my left leg out in front. Okay. Now for beginners, you're just going to bring your hands on your hips, pull your hips forward. Okay, so you're gonna feel a stretch in your front hamstring and a nice little stretch in your back uh, hip flexor. Make sure your shoulders are straight. If you need to hold on to something, you can hold on to a wall, something like that. So this would be holding the stretch for 30 to 60 seconds, slow, deep breathing. All right, to advance it, I'm gonna drop my hands down to the side and you would hold it. And try to lengthen through your back. So I don't want you curving here with your back, but even if you're not super flexible on one side, try to lengthen through your spine all the way as much as you can. Now I have not warmed up as much as I can. I'm getting a little bit older. So <laughs> this side is not as flexible as my right side, but I'm gonna show you guys, this is my favorite part of the stretch. So you're down into your, your runner's pose, take your left knee, you're gonna place your hand on the inside of your knee and you're gonna turn your foot out. So you're turning out your toe, 
gently pressing into that side of your knee. Let me face this way so you guys can see a little bit better. I'm putting my right hand on the ground. I'm just gently pushing that hip out. So it's nice and easy. You don't need to go up and down and you know, no, no ballistic stretching, just nice and slow and static. We're just holding that stretch, breathing slowly. Good. And then slowly come on up. And then you do the same thing on the right leg, all the way out, down, holding. I like to do about five deep breaths on each side. Again, you'll find that one hip really rotates a lot more than the other based on flexibility levels. Push into that knee a little bit, open up that toe, lengthen through your chest and your back, hold it. Again, about three to five deep breaths on each side and then release. That's my favorite. I love that one because you really feel more of a deeper stretch into your hips. Kind of like if you're doing a pigeon pose or something like that and you're really trying to open up. So, all right. Thank you, Chef AJ, for letting me get moving with you guys today. I appreciate it. Oh my God. Thank you. You seem very good at what you do. Like a physical oh. therapist, really. Like, do you, oh. <laughs> you train people in person on Zoom or both? I do. Yes. In person at the ranch in our gym. Um, and I love it. I do individual group sessions and then virtual. So I'm sure my fabulous husband can share with you more if people want to sign up for virtual classes. Um, and then I've, I'll, you know, from home can can lead you to help you reach your goals. So your goals become become my goals. And uh, yeah, he'll, I'm going to give the, the microphone back oh, to him. Okay. You're not going anywhere. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. Okay. I see him every month. You are the star of the show right now. You've never been oh, on the show. Up. Well, no, I have not been on your show. So, so here's the thing. You get two free bottles of California balsamic vinegar just for being on the show. You should really. Oh, wait. oh, oh. Chef AJ, can I please request the curry flavor? You get two that choices. So curry and Oh, yay. Curry. Baby, she's going to give me some California balsamic. And he knows that curry is my favorite flavor. I love that one. Okay. Okay, can, go ahead. Do you want two curries or you want a different flavor? He was just I, on the show yesterday. Oh, I would I would love two curries if that's okay. That it's is okay. It's, it's one of my favorites too. So you, you don't have to do this right now because I want to respect your time. But you know, I would love for you to come on sometime as you. I mean, not that you're somebody else right now, because you are somebody <laughs> that is obviously very fit. You follow this lifestyle that other people think is so difficult. You've raised children this way. So I would love sometime if you don't have time right now to talk to you about that. I, I would be honored. That would be such a, a pleasure and a delight for me. And um, I would I would really enjoy that opportunity. Thank you, Chef AJ. Absolutely. That would be fabulous. We can, yeah. either, we can either book you separately or we can just have him go away one month. <laughs> no, the, the no, love of my life can stay. Yes, I'm he's... kidding, because your last name is Esther too. But I have a yeah. question about the band you were go using. Ahead. Now, was that yes. already a circle or did you tie that? So it comes like that if people it... want to tie that? Yes, it comes, it comes as a circle. You can use, there's a lot of PT like therapy bands that, you know, are um, open-ended that if you're like stretching your, your leg or your foot or something, um, and you can tie those together. I find that these are a lot more resilient. So again, a good company that I've used for golly, 15 years, of, 15, I'm getting old, um, 15 years of, of, uh, of personal training is power systems. And they're very, um, they're very affordable and they normally come in different packets. So you can get a packet that has like uh, a light, a medium and a heavy resistance, you know, again, they're all different color coded, 
um, for me, I have, I'm using my soul core band, which is the same thing, um, with different resistance. So that's just a, another fitness, um, opportunity that I, I love to teach that I'm passionate about, but it's the same thing. It's just a big circle. If you guys can see that's already, it's already put together. It's already looped. That's going to make it a lot easier for hip work because hip work, you really want to have everything tight and secure secure and stabilized than if you're doing, you know, if you're doing a stretch for your, your hamstring or your foot or some, some like a foot, and foot so exercise. How, you, they seem like they're different resistance. How do, where do we buy yeah. them? Well, cause are there like stores you can get them at and how does somebody know which resistance is best for them or should they be, be buying a variety of ones? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would recommend, uh, if you go to powersystems.com and you click on their tabs, it says resist resistance bands and I would get a multi-pack. That's what I've used for all of my classes because people are different levels. So if you're just ordering for yourself, I would say get a little multi-pack that comes in a, a normally a, a group of three, because the goal is you don't want to just stay at the light resistance, you know, for months on end, you want to build up to where you can get to the, to the heavier resistance. So um, for me, it's, it's blue, then yellow is medium, and then the red is um, is the heavier, the stronger resistance. So, if you know that you're new to any kind of hip work or core work, and you're everything, you know, you really want more of a body weight exercise, start with light. If you're more of an athlete and you know that you're running and you're cycling and you've got strong hips to begin with, strong legs, start with a heavy resistance. That's what I would recommend. Um, but for me, I love buying the the multi packs because then even in the middle of our workouts, I'll say, okay, you've done your light resistance for enough, get to the medium resistance. Let's go, you know, <laughs> turn it up a notch. So that way you can feel like you're advancing. You're not just sitting stagnant. That's amazing. And so yellow is generally the, the lightest, the easiest. Yes. I know for power systems, it's green. So I don't want to confuse you guys with the ones I have today, but yes, um, for power systems, red is advanced and then green is a, um, a lighter, a beginner level. Yeah. So this is, this is, this yeah. is very okay. adjunct. I mean, when I think about it, all the shows that Dr. Esser has done, I mean, you could have been a great component showing because people are always, Aww. what do I do for this pain? What do I do for this pain? That I mean, we could actually go back. Cause you know, he's done a bunch of different things. He's done, you know, back and he's done knee and he's done, I don't know what he's done, but he's, he's a done. A, he's done a lot over the years with you and um, yeah. And, and hopefully everyone's benefited from it. And I did have a, a guest, a really sweet woman last year, um, who attended my, my emotional intelligence seminars and I was doing cooking demos and we were talking through the psychology of things and, um, goal setting. And she said to the group, she said, why isn't Tiff on Chef AJ's show? Well, you're and I started welcome. bursting he, out laughing. He's been hiding you. That's <laughs> He's why. He's been hiding me. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, oh, you're sweet. You're sweet, Chef AJ. I'm with the kiddos. Um, but no, I would, Again, I would be honored to to go more in depth and to lead more more fitness and give some tips and tricks and and things that work for me. I, my passion is Ironman triathlons. That is my my absolute heart's passion. Other than being a wife and a mother, it brings me so much joy and um and I love I love crossing the finish line. So for me, um, I want everybody as a personal trainer, as a soul core leader, I always want people to feel safe and comfortable and respected that their goals are going to be met and they become my goals. But more importantly is I want, I'm just as excited for them to cross whatever finish line they're trying to do as they are. I want to be their biggest cheerleader. So it doesn't have to be Ironman triathlons. It doesn't even have to be, 
you know, uh, running a 5k. It can be something else that to you, you're passionate about that makes you feel like you, that you're excited to reach that goal. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pass the mic over to him. And, uh, but I, I really look forward to the opportunity to to get more into, into depth with you. Yes, and, I'd like and, to get to know yeah. you. I mean, you seem like you're, oh, in, thanks. You seem like you're incredibly fit and in very good shape. Well, that, yep. There you go. I guess more importantly, what the, I guess what the, uh, the fitness of the soul for me, um, I want that to radiate, radiate through more, but I have to tell you something real quick, chef AJ, the first time I met you and you may not remember this, but I, th I think it's beautiful just in our, our overall love story. Um, it was the summer of 2009 and the week before our wedding, like literally the, like the week of our wedding, we've been married almost 15 years. And, um, I went out to true North health to do fa to fast for a few days before the wedding. And I met Dr. Goldhammer and Dr. Lyle for the first time. And you were teaching a cooking demo there. And it was so fabulous. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember calling Stefan and I said, this is so amazing. This is so amazing. And he said, yeah, this is, you know, this is the dream. This is the goal of, of, of bringing good health to people. And it's such, it's such a, it's such a magical message. And, um, I know it's been his dream for decades and, and he loves it and like his grandfather's legacy. And so anyway, I was just, every time I think of you, that image of you teaching the cooking demo comes back to my heart. Um, and then obviously, the California balsamics because he knows oh, I love that. That's amazing. And thank you. That is, that is so kind. You know, I think that's probably my favorite thing as much as I love hosting. And I do, I love, I love teaching cooking and I, that is yeah. probably my favorite thing because I've done it for the longest. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank you for all you've done to inspire people to, and I've, I've watched you for years. I've seen you on the rich roll podcast and, you know, a lot of my mentors and, and people that I've, I've looked forward, just, I look up to um, and to see all that you're doing to help transform lives is just, it's beautiful. You have a, 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 a beautiful soul and a very empathetic heart and people can feel that it's, it, it radiates through you. So thank you. Thank oh you, Chef God. AJ. And thank you for this time with you. So I hope to have more time with you soon. You come <laughs> I'm going to give now. him the mic. Okay. Come back now. Bye, Chef AJ. <laughs> Dr. Esser, you did good. No, oh, you still there? Can you hear me? You, you, you picked a good one, Dr. Esser. Oh, very blessed and excited uh, for, you know, as a team for us to be always helping folks. So excited for any of your people who are watching. My wife's an amazing personal trainer and she really does take that commitment to people. Seriously. I just had so. the best idea and I'm going to put it out there and you think about it. Like, do you have to live in Florida? Like, do you have nah. to? <laughs> the reason is, is because, you know, one day Dr. Goldhammer's going to possibly die and there's nobody to leave true north to why don't you and your wife take it over there you go all kinds of ideas i like it no, i'm well, serious i'm really serious because <laughs> i don't well, think your son is that interested in it well there you go well i'm just glad that you guys got to meet her and kind of hear some of all that right and um we're gonna do some questions or are we yeah, good that's what got quite no if you don't if you have time a lot of questions let's do it Guys, I'm so sorry. You know, we have to have questions submitted in advance when it's a doctor and we do take those first. Okay. So the first one is from Caroline or Carolyn, but let's say Caroline. And she says, hi, Dr. Esser. I bought the Aletha hip hook, the mark months ago. It's designed to release your iliacus muscles. 
Even after extensive research and watching dozens of videos, I'm still too afraid to use it for fear of injuring myself, for example, perforating my colon. Do you think a device like this is safe and effective? I'm not sure who I can ask for help to make sure I'm using it correctly. I bet she could ask your wife. Thank you that's so it. much. Love you both. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, uh, the Aletha hip hook is uh, something that's been popularized recently. There are a couple different versions of these hip hooks out there. They certainly do help some folks, right? Uh, kind of releasing some of the areas. Uh, I think the simplest thing to do would be to take it with you to a physical therapist and have them guide you in how to use it effectively in a way that doesn't cause you any harm. So just a good sports PT in your area, I'd start there because they can feel the area, touch the area with you, show you where to put it so you do it correctly. Yep. But if she wanted to, uh, could could your could your wife help her like on, on Zoom with this or is that too hard to do on Zoom? Uh, she could, yeah. Okay, she, well, that's great. She, well, she, make she sure could as well. And please make sure that, you know, that information in addition to your information is also in the updated show notes, okay? Absolutely. And the simplest way, if you want to book with my wife, is just www.essersports.com. Perfect. And then they can book it right there. That's easy to remember, too. Thanks. So this first question is from Anonymous. And um, we actually wrote her back because it's interesting because you started out about saying how when you're overweight by a certain amount, it's this much to your hips. So I always wondered about because that was my impetus to lose weight. Finally, is when I broke my knee and I I couldn't I couldn't even use the crutches or, or the walker. I had to be in a wheelchair. I was too fat. And the doctor said, have you ever thought about losing weight? Because I believe he said every pound you're overweight well, I thought he said is five to 10 pounds of additional pressure on your knee. And so like, how is that calculated? Like, is is different joints? Like, 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 how do you know this? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? It sounds interesting to me to figure out like, how did like, it's 10 pounds to the hip five. How, how is that? Please explain. Yeah. That. Yeah. So they do this. It's like, it's a physics thing. And so if you draw the two hips uh, as though they are the top of kind of a, a triangle, and then the triangle tip is facing down toward the ground. And then they do the sort of weight, uh, you know, from a physics perspective, how much torque is produced with rotation when you bear weight on one side, so on and so forth. And, and that's the idea. So it's, it's when you're bearing weight on just one leg, the physics of it is that you put a large quantity of torque anywhere from, like you said, three to 10 times the body weight uh, on that one leg alone. Uh, and then, so that's going to be the hip, the knee, the ankle. And then the alignment of those tissues of the bones also influences the amount of force. Uh, and that's why what my wife was teaching with those lateral hip exercises are so crucial because if you have strong lateral hips, that's going to tug and pull you into more of a correct alignment. So you're not overloading your knee and ankle as much because that just wears out your knee progressively. It's kind of like your car. If one tire is out of alignment, it's going to wear down that tire much faster. Uh, versus if your tires are well lined equally, uh, then the tires don't wear as rapidly and they uh, wear down more evenly and more gently. But is it always like, like do certain joint, like for instance, being overweight by any amount, is it more detrimental to certain joints like hips or back or knee or ankle, or it's, it's all the same, anything from? Well, the, the issue is there's twofold damage. When you are carrying extra visceral fat, you produce more adipokines and those inflammatory molecules damage cartilage and they circulate to all the joints of the body. That's why people who are obese have higher rates of hand arthritis. Now, in addition, the lower extremities also get the double whammy of carrying the excess load. So the lower extremities get hit twice, the inflammatory adipokines plus the excess weight. Uh, and that combination is particularly toxic to the lower extremities. 
Great. Okay. Cause the reason I ask is uh, we, we, we wrote this person back to see if we could get more information and haven't heard back, but uh, she had a question about lower back tightness. And she said the past couple of weeks, I've had lower back tightness, most noticeable when leaning over to do things, even say putting on stocks while standing, it could certainly be weight related or age related late forties female, but what are things I could do to help improve this? And so she mentioned weight related. So we said like, well, how overweight are you? Does yeah. it doesn't matter? Like even a little bit excess weight is too much when you're experiencing some kind of ortho orthopedic challenges or, um, yeah. And so a lot of orthopedic issues happen to both slender and overweight individuals, but you know, studies do show that if you're carrying a lot of excess weight on the belly, it throws off the mechanics of the low back and it increases the likelihood of low back pain. Um, but usually that's gotta be, you know, like you're suggesting 15 plus pounds of excess weight, not just a small little amount. Uh, with regards to the low back, right? The first place to focus in always is going to be that hip flexibility and core strength. Uh, so, you know, join my wife, do some, you know, virtual personal training, learn some good stretches, learn some good exercises and do them regularly. And for the majority of people that significantly improves uh, their low back pain, if they still have persistent pain, then they should see someone in their area, get a good comprehensive evaluation uh, and make sure there's nothing else going on. Thank you. This is from Diane. Uh, Dr. Esther, what are your feelings about prescribing Fosamax? Uh, my feelings are that any of these bone, quote, building medications have a lot of potential side effects. Uh, and it should be made as an individual, you know, case-based decision. So the person does their research, understands their risks, uh, and makes an informed decision. Uh, I do not prescribe those in my practice. Um, you know, and I try heavily to focus in on lifestyle interventions, the use of appropriate supplementation, um, and other measures to address uh, the risks of osteoporosis. But the, uh, the associated risks of the Fosamax are concerning, and so uh, not one of my favorite medications. Thank you. And I think we did a show about this. So one of the Osteoporosis, yeah. Osteoporosis show, right. Um, this is from Marsha. Dr. Esser, I have levoscoliosis, 34 degrees, which causes my left hip SI area to hurt while being active. How can I get rid of the pain? Watch today's shows and do today's exercise. <laughs> That's a great place to start. And uh, there actually are physical therapists who are trained in something called the Scroth method, S-C-R-O-T-H method. And this is a German method that's validated for the slowing and even the reversal of scoliosis. And so if you can Google search Scroth certified physical therapist in my area by zip code, uh, you ought to be able to find someone who is certified in that uh, and good at what they do. So for example, here in Ponte Vedra Beach in Florida, where I am, we have some therapists who are certified and are quite good um, and usually can get people out of pain and often reverse their scoliosis by five to 10 degrees as well. Can you spell that word, scroth? Yep, S-C-R-O-T-H, scroth. Scroth, okay, I thought you said scroth. Yep. I'm glad I asked. Okay, thank you. All right, um, this is from Lucy and she says that she is 60 years old, vegan 40 years, SOS free for about 15. And she was diagnosed with something called greater trochanter pain syndrome. And uh, she wants to know like what causes that? She doesn't think it's diet. And is that the same as hip bursitis? So pain over the lateral or outer hips is often just uh, called you know, hip bursitis. But a more accurate term is the greater trochanteric pain syndrome or GTPS. The idea is that the outer hips, as we saw in the picture with all the muscles I showed, have so many muscles connected and balancing across that area 
that if some of them are unequally yoked or unequally strong or flexible, that you're more likely to then pull unequally and cause inflammation and pain. And so it is crucial, right, to have the lateral hip and the posterior buttocks very strong and robust. And again, join my wife, right, or someone work with somebody to strengthen the lateral hips and the posterior buttocks. And that normally rectifies the situation, but it can take a couple of weeks to normalize. So we also need to remember, too, the, the nerves from the low back wrap around the outer hip. So we need to make sure there's nothing from the low back that's contributing to this pain. Uh, but greater trochanteric pain syndrome is commonly associated with weak lateral hips so that when you step, your pelvis kind of rocks to one side and overstresses the ligaments and tendons, and that causes pain. And the fix is strength, strength, strength. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So so a lot of times, if I understand you, when people have hip pain, it's actually back. It's, it's, it's from the back. There can be a relationship to that back or to the lateral hip muscles, right? And all those pelvic stabilizers, that there's some unequal forces across those structures. And when we normalize the stability of the hips by improving the balanced muscular strength uh, and good flexibility, uh, most of that pain goes away. That's kind of like that song, the hip bone, connect, you know. Connect to the backbone, backbone. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how I got to med school. I bet you have a good singing voice. Okay. Thank you. Uh, this is from... Find their name. Okay, from Tina. Doctor, hi, Dr. Esser. I'm 53 in menopause, 50 pounds overweight, and just started HRT six weeks ago. I'm about 80% whole food plant paste. I just had a DEXA scan and it revealed I have osteopenia in my hips and lower spine. My question is, what kind of weight-bearing exercises does one do to build bone in my hips and lower spine? Would walking with a weighted vest help? Should I take calcium supplements? I also tore my meniscus about six weeks ago that I'm doing PT for. I would love your opinion and a more holistic approach. Thank you. Number one, it sounds like you're motivated, which is awesome. Number two, it's important you sit down and really make an outline of what you're doing that is working or not working, right? Because if you're following the sort of nutrition that Chef AJ and I recommend, uh, that 50 pounds should be getting off of your body pretty quickly. Um, so I think make sure that we are really maximizing that nutrition. If you need more encouragement, motivation, watch the weight loss summit that Chef AJ has got going on right now. Join my eight week program, March the 1st, right? But make sure you're getting the right resources and the right support. So you want to get that excess weight off so we don't wear out that knee and fatigue it sooner with that meniscus tear. Uh, number two, with regards to osteopenia, it is normal to have some bone mineral density loss as we age because... Uh, of course, it is normal to have a decline in the amount of hormones that we produce, uh, as well as some other factors that influence your bone health. Uh, so, you know, osteopenia, I'm not particularly worried about, right? Versus if we get into the deep osteoporosis weeds, that's different. But the sort of exercises we should be focusing on, number one, are things that you're willing to do on a regular basis. That's the first thing, right? Are you willing to do this? And if you are, right, well, let's start there. But certainly walking with a weighted vest, if you're willing to do it, great. Going to the gym and working out with weights on a machine, great. Doing free weights and body weight assisted exercise with my wife, great. You know, all of these things, right, can be very beneficial. But the first thing to do is say, what am I willing to start with? What's holding me back? How can I break through these barriers and maximize both the nutrition and the exercise to maximize my long-term function and reduce the progression of the bone density loss? Great. Thank you. Uh, Mandy says she had an MRI of her lumbar spine and it said she had a Schmoral's sh node. What is that? And is it serious? Why are you cursing on live TV, Chef AJ? I don't know uh, how so to read these doctor words. Schmoral's? Schmoral. <laughs> so Dr. Schmoral 
I believe was the person who named this after himself, but a Schmorl's note spelled S-C-H-M-O-R-L apostrophe S is a little area where the disc has actually pushed down into the vertebral body or the bone, and it's created a little indentation. Uh, by itself, it's not dangerous, and it doesn't mean a lot. It usually means that you jumped off your grandfather's shed when you were a kid, or you jumped off the deck or something like that. When you hit the ground hard, the ground hit you back, and the force of that at the time, your disc was stronger than your bone, and so the disc kind of made a little indentation into the bone. Not by itself dangerous, usually not a source of pain, unless there's a lot of inflammation in the end of the bone as well. And if that's the case, well, then that's something different. Okay. So you usually don't have to be worried about it just if it says, oh, Schmorl's node noted at L3, L4. Nothing to be <laughs> concerned about unless there's a lot of inflammation around it. That's a funny word. I mean, I mean, I don't mean that's his name. So sorry about that. But okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is from uh, Carly. And she said that 40 years ago, she was in a terrible accident and broke her back. And as she's getting older now, the pain is incredible. She won't take pain medicine, but she was offered through a pain management doctor, something that where there's like some kind of shot or injection that he said he would do like one to two times that seems to help people. Do you feel that's appropriate? Without knowing the exact type of injection and your particular condition, it's hard to have a really strong opinion. What I will say is that it is very important that you and I can have a high quality of life and be able to do the things we love and enjoy. And if your back pain is so debilitating that it's robbing you of the ability uh, you know, to have fun, live life, have adventures, uh, well, then we need to figure out a game plan, right? Uh, the sort of healthy living that Chef AJ and I recommend is not a philosophy. It is a hardcore science. And so if excellent nutrition, good stretching, exercising at home, the use of acupuncture, chiropractic, massage, manual therapies, all these things are not giving you adequate pain relief, well, then you need to move on to other things, whether they be radiofrequency ablations or epidural injections or the like, right, or spinal surgery. Uh, these all have their place, right? It's not that you're, uh, you know, kind of invalidating the philosophy and that you're a loser. Uh, if you've done everything else and you're still having an issue, uh, then whatever these procedures are, yeah, just maybe get a second or a third opinion, have somebody review your images and make sure that they're reasonable and that the risk benefit relationship falls in favor of doing the procedure. Yeah, that's what she said. Epidural. I thought epidural was like uh, something you give to when a woman when she's having a baby. You can do an epidural with anesthetic and it makes you numb in the legs. You don't feel it. Or you can do an epidural with steroid, which reduces inflammation for back pain. Nice. You seem to know a lot about this. Thank you. I'm kidding. Of course you do. This is uh, this is not about orthopedic stuff. And this is from Karen. And the question is, here we go. My son is trying to lose weight and get in shape. If he does not eat breakfast or dinner, would his body always take the calories from fat in his body? Or might it sometimes dive into the muscle? He's 30 years old, eating plant-based for the last month, working out one to two times a day. He says calories in, calories out. I told him that is not true. That's a great question. My concern, you know, if he's not adequately meeting his nutritional needs and is working out hard several times a day, uh, he's going to beat up his muscle, kind of shred his muscle, activate the muscle, and you may be more likely to lose some lean muscle mass and not build as much. My favorite way for people, you know, to lose weight is to eat a healthy micronutrient-dense, plant-based program, eating to fullness, um, and then exercising how they want. Uh, so if he's limiting himself just because he's wanting to lose weight, that's a little bit different than if he's limiting himself because he's not hungry.
right? So if he's not hungry and doesn't want to eat and he only eats a meal a day, uh, so be it. But if he is, you know, starving himself for the sake of more rapid weight loss and exercising really hard, uh, he may have a little bit of a loss of both fat stores, but also protein stores. Great. Thank you. Well, I think what happens is people don't want to take the time to lose weight slowly. I mean, hence, all, you know, the, I'm sure you're not a fan of the new weight loss drugs, or maybe they're not so new, but, you know, Ozempic, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Way too many side effects. We don't need those. Absolutely. Do you, do you have patients on them? I have patients who, uh, you know, talk to me about them, but I don't have a lot of patients who are chronic, you know, on them at the present time. I had a number of people now who had used them, had severe side effects, you know, with the intestinal slowing and gastric emptying issues, uh, you know, and pain issues that jumped up and then came to see me, you know, and had already gotten off of it. Um, but yes, uh, it's a, these are toxic medications. They should not be used for the goals of weight loss. Um, and if you look now, the number of side effect reports and nasty outcomes is just climbing by the day. So, you know, the real answer is in the food and in the movement. And it's not that hard, folks. We can support you through it. You can do it, uh, you know, but you do need to require a, a certain level of discipline and commitment to do it. But we can support you. Thank you. Uh, you have kids, so this might be one you can resonate with. This is from Loretta. Uh, my nine-year-old grandson has recurrent ear and respiratory infections. Seven out of 23 pneumococcal titers are good, 16 SL low. His MD is recommending the pneumovax 23 that is recommended for adults over 65. Is there an alternative way to build his immunity? He does take a yearly pneumonia vaccine and otherwise is healthy, eats on the healthy end of the standard American diet. I didn't, so nine years old, I didn't realize they gave those to nine-year-olds. Did you? Yeah, it makes, no, I don't. I mean, it makes me wonder whether he has some other sort of health conditions that are quite severe or some sort of immune suppressed issue that, you know, he's getting all these vaccinations. Uh, if he's just an otherwise healthy individual, just with recurrent inner ear infections, uh, the answer is in the nutrition. Uh, the kid needs to get off all dairy, off all refined sugar, and this will just go away. Even if he's eating some lean meat and vegetables and whatever else, this issue will resolve all white flour, all white sugar, all dairy gone for six weeks. And I'm willing to bet you $20. He was not having any more of these inner ear infections and we're done. Uh, it is, drives me nuts and it breaks my heart for these parents, um, you know, running their kids in and out for the inner ear infections again and again, when the answer is very straightforward, no dairy, no white flour, no white sugar, maximize the greens, the berries, the healthy nutrients and move on with life. And it's, it's, it all goes away in 99% of cases. I'm curious what the healthy end of the sad diet actually looks like. <laughs> well, I was wondering the same thing. Well, because I think about Dr. Goldhammer, who always says just because something is less bad doesn't mean it's good. You know, right? I guess it's Blue Bell ice cream instead of Haagen Dazs, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Yeah. Ben and Jerry's instead of Haagen Dazs. I don't know. Interesting. But yeah. So this is a fun question from Matthew. How can we create simple strategies for men who are incompetent when it comes to cooking, but need to eat healthfully? I love that question. It's a great question. I think the first thing to do is identify maybe 10 things that you're willing to eat that you find enjoyable and then figure out hacks, you know, ways, whatever, uh, in order to prepare those meals in such a way that is, you know, simple, straightforward, and doesn't require hours of food prep. Uh, I will say that I think for anybody who wants to live simply and, you know, eat well um, and doesn't spend all their time in the kitchen, that some level of batch preparation can be very beneficial. You know, chopping up like 
when I'm making my, you know, famous oat banana date flax pancakes on Sunday morning, I'm also usually chopping up sweet potatoes and throwing them in the oven at 400 degrees, right? When I'm, you know, making blank, I'm also making blank, right? If I'm making, you know, beans and rice one night, I'm making enough for the next day. So, you know, simple tips, simple tricks, simple ways of integrating, uh, you know, but first is identifying what you're willing to eat and that you find enjoyable and then figure out how you can prepare those meals in a simple way that is still health promoting and doesn't require tons of time. It's funny you bring that up because we're actually going to be trying to integrate more of those sort of tips and tricks into our eight week program that starts in March, where we're going to have little breakout sessions and little video sessions on cooking to try to, you know, share some of that. Because if you're going to try to enter the kitchen every day and make a brand new meal with 21 ingredients, you know, th there's no way that's not going to be sustainable for 90% of people who also have a job. You know, it's just that that's not going to work. Um, so unless once, you know, if you've got a significant other and they're at home and they're just making meals, that fine, that can work. But if you guys are sharing meal duty or if you're on your own and single, uh, it's no way, no way. And you've got kids and you've got other hobbies, it's not going to work. So you've got to, you know, kind of map it out differently. So, and you know, there are a lot of tips out there on how to do it. Yeah, well, yeah, you did a cooking demo once one year on the Truth About Weight Loss Summit, and it didn't seem all that complicated. That's right. And I want to break down that, you know, mindset that it is complicated because it's not um, even for us guys. Yep, absolutely. This is from Susan. I've been seeing stuff regarding the protection of teeth while on a whole food plant-based diet. I don't know what the stuff is, but she says, I'm not about to eat the way they suggest, but I'm wondering if there is a way to protect the enamel of our teeth while on a whole food plant-based diet. Rinse your mouth out with water once you're done with your meal. That was easy. There you go. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's like when I start drinking turmeric smoothies with tons of berries and greens, my teeth turn a little yellowish, right? And so I've got to be conscientious. Can't be sipping those juices or smoothies or chewing that food really well, um, you know, and then not washing your mouth out because you've got all those pigments from the food that are going to tend to stain. Uh, and then in addition, you've got a little bit of increased acidity. But don't forget, a plant-based diet is also very good for the teeth because you're eating all of the micronutrient-dense foods that feed the bacteria and keep them healthy. And uh, you're also, on average, reducing the amount of reflux the individual is having uh, and, you know, and a host of other things. Um, so a plant-based diet can be very beneficial for overall health and dentition. Uh, the issue is, yeah, I'd wash your mouth out with a little bit of water after every meal. And then remember, you immediately get the pigments out, et cetera. Do you remember Weston Price? Mm -hmm. They use they use his work as a justification for eating the diet that we don't recommend, you know? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, not, not based in good science and, you know, funded by the meat and dairy industry. And yeah. interesting. Well, this was a wonderful session. I hope your wife will come back again by herself with you, whatever you like. Absolutely. She's ready to come back whenever you guys want a program, I'm sure. So, and for you. those of you who want to join her, just go to essersports.com and book an appointment. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow. We're doing the show a little bit later all week at 3 p.m. Pacific time for Vegan Conversations with Robert Cheek. And he will be interviewing Lady Freethinker. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.